You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick. You think that guy out there knows? Not the that guy, but, but John would. <laughs> I know. I've never seen this guy in my No, he's life. back. I haven't seen that guy in a I while. I have never <laughs> seen this guy in a, in a long time. And Matty Rose. You look like you're having trouble stringing sentences together. Hey, who wants a beer? Maybe uh, maybe we give Matty a little time out. On Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour number two, Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. I don't remember that at all. No, you shouldn't. It was fuzzy for you. <laughs> um, 7.30. Um, has your perception of Brad Tree Living changed at all? 960, 960, name and location. Flames in Toronto tomorrow night to square off against Tree Living's Maple Leafs. Um, and you can have the discussion with your friends. A better deal, Reeves or uh, Huberto. And we'll talk to Jason Buchla at 8 o'clock. But right now, our man, Ross Tucker, NFL analyst um, for CBS Sports, Westwood One, the Ross Tucker podcast, courtesy of Tom's House of Pizza. Pizza made to perfection with locations in Calgary and Okotoks. Mr. Ross Tucker, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. My question is, Tom's House of Pizza. Yes. Would they have just been, like, sponsoring anybody on a Thursday at 7? No. Or, like, did they... Specifically want me. They specifically wanted you and Charles Davis, who we have on Mondays. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And we're that's working great. on shipping you a Tom's pizza. That's in the works. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I had two slices of pepperoni last night, which, as we all know, is the best flavor, the best yeah. the best topping. It's not even worth debating. Yeah. Are you, are you like me? The, the older I get, Ross, the simpler I want my pizza. Um... I don't know. I think I've just always primarily been a pepperoni guy. But to your point, there were times in my life when I was younger where, like, I would do meat lovers or maybe there'd be two toppings on the pizza. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I, just want, I just want pepperoni. Like, I don't, I, don't, I don't need anything else. Just give me a pepperoni. Now, there's other flavors. Like, if it's a sausage pizza, I'll eat that. I like ham yep. on pizza. Um, I like chicken on pizza. Some people don't like that. I like chicken on pizza, but those are, I kind of stick with those. Um, I, uh, watched last Thursday, you joined us, uh, when Joey Chestnut, uh, at the Eric Francis pizza pig out, I saw him Ross eat 23 slices of pizza in two minutes. I witnessed it. (laughs) (laughs) Did he really? Yeah. He beat five guys squared off against him. They combined for 21 slices in two minutes, and one dude plays in the CFL, and Joey beat all of them. He had twenty three in two Hold minutes. Yeah, he wasn't dipping them in the water or something, was he? Uh, he would no. eat it, but he would use the water to help him bring it down. Okay, so he wasn't. It wasn't like the he hot was dogs dipping it in the water like they do with the hot dog bun. No, it wasn't. And I then, don't understand how he ate twenty three slices in five minutes. See, two no, minutes. two minutes. Two minutes, not five. Two minutes. <laughs> he ate 23 slices of pizza in two minutes? Yes, yep. he did. I, we, sure I did. witnessed it. Yes. Send me the video. Oh, we There's will. no way. He did. Yeah, I got it on my socials. I'll, also, I'll make sure I tag you. Also, Ross, um, I watched him uh, sample a few pieces of pizza before he even went up to the stage to compete. And my thing was, it's not like when Tiger Woods goes and tees it up, he doesn't hit the range first. He has to warm up. Joey was eating some slices before he competed, too. 
No, he wasn't. Yes, he was. Yeah, he was. And he did a... What was he for? Like, did he have to beat these guys to win a certain amount of money? Uh, no, it wasn't a money. It was just a charity thing, and there was a belt at stake. And he's very, 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 Extremely very competitive. competitive. So um, we had him in studio. You asked the question. We're going to play that audio for you. But we also had a, they call them Timbits up here, but it's essentially donut holes. And we had a competition against them, right? So we didn't tell them we were doing this, but we, we brought in like 100 donut holes. So it was going to be myself, Maddie, and Eric Francis, who run uh, the, the charity event. Now he's a big Calgary sportscaster. It was the three of us against him in one minute in donut hole eating contest. How many do you think the man, without warming up, how many do you think he ate in one minute, Ross, right in front of me? Man, I mean, if he ate, this guy just like does this every day. Like I thought he had to like gear no, up. He's got a big uh, off season. Man, like, like the one day he does tidbits, the next day he's doing pizza. Like that cannot be good for you. Bro. It was the like, same day. Cannot... Yeah. It was the same day. This, yeah, the morning where you asked the question, he was in here he's eating timbits against us. Built different, and then he did the pizza eating contest in the evening. About twelve hours later. What the heck? And he's skinny, right? He's not big. He's he's a, he's a he's taller a, he, dude. Exceptional shape for what he does for a living. Yeah. Um, Ross, the okay. guy, I watched in front of me, and he told me, and once we said we're going to compete against him, Ross, his foot started to, he, get, he got the Jimmy leg because he was going to compete because he's such a fierce competitor. He had that look in his eye. Yeah. Ross, the guy ate 31 Timbits in front of us in one minute. <laughs> So, okay, what I don't understand is like... Okay. What don't you understand? He's the greatest of all time. No, I, I guess I'm just like in awe yeah. of his... Like, what makes him so good? Is it like his jaw? Okay. Or his stomach? Like, I'm trying to figure out what anatomically mm-hmm. makes him so good. Because... I, I think it's all of the above because I, I, I physically, like my jaw, could not do 23, could not chew up 23 slices of pizza in two minutes. But also my stomach, like I'd be full after five or six. Like I'm just amazed yep. at, you know, he's got, you know, we talk about like for the NFL players, like height, weight, speed. He's got the best combo. He's got the best jaw to stomach combo yep. of all time. I um he li- actually lifts weights with his jaw to keep himself in eating shape. Ross, I'm not going to lie to you. When I watched him warm up his jaw right before the competition, yep. I realized then I was getting into the ring with the world's best and I had no chance. Yeah. Oh, he warms up his jaw. Yes, yeah. it's, it's it's incredible. So the man he ate 31 timbits in 1 minute. We combined for 21 in 1 minute. And he said, if by we... the way, that doesn't sound as impressive to me as 23 slices of pizza. In other words, like in two minutes, I couldn't have more than like five slices of pizza. Right. But I feel like I could take down a lot of Tim, like, Donut. like at least 15 Timbits. Right. But you, you'd think, but like when they're bready, but also this. He didn't know we were going to do this, so he didn't prepare himself. And I asked him afterwards, he goes, if he would have known we were going to do this, he probably would have ate at least 40 because he would have been prepared for it. He just came in, no warm-up, Ross, like trunk slammed, and then hit a 320-yard drive right down the fairway and ate 31 Timbits right in front of us. 
Man, that's that's impressive. And the, I, I got to see. I got to see. Those must have been really small slices of pizza. No, they weren't, and they were very doughy. And here's another thing too, Ross. Afterwards, I saw you him. You love this. You love this. Like again, the world's best. Afterwards, I got drunk with Joey Chestnut, and I saw him crush at least twenty buds. At Seriously? Least. I am not joking. He's a monster. I have a question about that. Yeah, sure. Does, he, does it carry over? Like, how would he do in a drinking contest? Okay. He he told us when he walked in studio, right? And I think he floated in like Prince. He When he walked in studio, he told us, and you'll really appreciate this. Recently, he chugged 12 pints of beer, Ross, in 71 seconds. I have a video of chugging a pitcher, like uh, I don't know, maybe ten years ago. Yep. And that probably took me all of about a minute to do, and that was very hard to do. Yeah. I well, mean, there is no the, the human stomach. There's no way it, beer like the bubbles, the carbonation. Ross, you don't until you've been in the ring with the world's best. You don't know. You don't know. What I it's will like. say, if you ever have an opportunity to see this guy perform. You have to take it. Like it was one of those things that you're like, okay, we're gonna watch this guy. We were eat in a greatness. Lot. You're gonna yeah. watch him eat a lot. It's gonna be whatever. And then you actually see him do it, and you're like, this is ridiculous. Like this is a, a feat that you have to see in so person. I, so I, when I was in Buffalo, I think it might have been like Labor Day weekend. I think it might have been the weekend where we found out if we made the team or not. They used to always have the buff, the, the national or international buffalo wing eating contest was in Buffalo. And I went to it twice. One year I was like a celebrity judge or something. One year I, I don't know if I competed in it or whatever. And what's her name? Like the Black Widow? Oh, J- um, Jeanette Lee, the, the pool player? No. Well, that's the Black Widow, Jeanette Lee. Like, Sorry. Um, I forget. No, no this, this is the woman like she, is, like she has several world records for competitive eating. Okay. And she goes against Joey in these events. It's like. Sonia Thomas. Like Sonia Thomas. Yeah, she was there. Okay. And watching her eat wings, <laughs> that was just disgusting. Like yes. Like 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 a machine. Yeah. Like in goes the wing, out comes bone. Because they, they 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 measured that based on weight, so they weighed your it wasn't like how many wings do you eat because then people aren't going to like eat every bit of the wing mm-hmm. yep. the, the correct way to do it is they weigh your tray and then you throw out the bone and it's like how much does your tray weigh at the end yeah so, or maybe you put the bones back in i can't remember but anyway so they it's based purely on meat and it was like it was like a machine it was like a a garbage pail like it was like in goes the wing, out comes bones, ba, 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 over and over and over and over again. <laughs> yep. And it was like, I feel like I could handle pizza or tidbits more than wings. There's something about the wings yeah. and, and watching her do it that I was like, I didn't eat wings for a while after that. You want to hear your question you asked Joey Chestnut in his response? Sure, yeah. All right, hit it, GVP. Joey, what's up, man? It's Ross Tucker. I've always wondered... What do you eat like the day or two or three after one of your contests? Oh yeah, afterwards it's it's uh it's really important. I it, it's important even if I'm not hungry. Uh, I'm I'm getting on a super high fiber diet. 
Okay. That's the only way I can try to get the get the weight off of me. Uh, as uh, within like that five day period, if, if I if I like go it, out, it takes five days for your body to expel to get to a get competition. Back to, yeah, to get back to my normal weight. Right. It, it, it's it, it, some day, some some contests are a little bit easier. Like chicken wings are easier. Uh, but if they're bread, is it because they're greasy? Sorry, don't mind me asking, but is it because they're greasy? Well, I think a little bit lower carb uh, and, okay. and they're mm-hmm. greasier. Things are running, but but but, but <laughs> right. So, but but yeah. if there's bread involved, the, the, the carbs you do get bloated for longer. Right. Uh, uh, it, it's harder on the body. And so so it, it takes about five days to get really back to normal. But it, it it there's times where if if I if I have things lined up or I, I get carried away, like like three days later, I'm eating carbs or eating or drinking a little bit. Uh, that then then I'm then that that weight stays on me and I have to I have to put extra work in. There you go. You want wow. You want one more record that we still can't wrap our heads around. You've had poutine, right? Delicious yeah. poutine. The man in yeah. the man in Toronto in 2019, Ross. He ate 28 pounds of poutine in 10 minutes. 28 pounds. Yeah, in 10 minutes. I, I would love, like, I want to know 20 or 30 years from now, like, what damage, if any, has been done to his body as a result of this, or if this is, like, something that is doable. Like, the human body, I mean, it seems like he's okay so far. Yeah. We never thought a human would break the 10-second uh, barrier in their 100 meters, Ross, yet it's happened. The human body can be pushed to the limits. And Joey Chestnut does that on a daily basis. He's actually in Thailand right now on a vegan cleanse with his fiance. No, he's not. Yes, he is. For real. In Thailand on a vegan cleanse? Yeah. He has to to get himself right for his competitive eating season, which starts in like March. Wow. I loved. You guys ever been to Thailand? No. Oh, my gosh. It's so inexpensive. Really? And obviously, Thai food is delicious. I went with my wife one time, mm-hmm. and they give great massages, right? Like that's what like Thailand's known oh, for. I've definitely heard that, Russ. Yeah. So here's the deal. When I was over there with my wife, I was like, you know, we almost have enough money where we could just live in Thailand and just, like, eat Thai food and get massages all day, every day, <laughs> and never have to work again. That'd be awesome. Like, we could, get, we could do, like, three massages a day. And have pad CU, pad Thai. I mean, we had that conversation. We had the conversation about just saying bye to our families. We love you, but we're just, we're full-time Thai Thai food eaters and massage getters (laughs) in Thailand. Um, I know you got to run in like two minutes, three minutes. Uh, So we just want to play this for you. We literally talk zero football. Um, Matt Eberflus with the most confusing uh, press conference yesterday. I don't know if you heard it, talking about whether or not Justin Fields is going to go tonight. Have you heard some of this? No. We're going to play some of it for you, and you tell me if Justin Fields is playing tonight. I'm just, I'm not, I'm having trouble understanding. He's he's not playing, but he's doubtful. There's, is he out or doubtful? He now he's listed as doubtful. But you're saying that he's out. He's not going to play We'll see where it goes. Uh, the chances are doubtful, 51% that he's in or out. We'll declare him out when he's out. Uh, right now, we're still listening to him as doubtful. But he, will he go through any sort of pregame work tomorrow? He may. Okay. He may. Yep. It was, uh, it was two and a half minutes of just sheer confusion. So he's not playing tonight, Justin Fields, Ross. 
Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, these these coaches don't do a real good job with this. <laughs> they really don't. They they think that they're being like so secretive and tricky. And I don't know how much of it is like just to try to keep the opponent guessing, and how much of it's like to have the fans hold out some hope that maybe he'll play. I don't know why they feel the need to be like this. I mean, you know, and the answer is he's trying to create some level of doubt for the Panthers that they have to be prepared that Fields might play, but he's not going to play. We all kind of already know that, but that's the charade that these guys keep up. And and ultimately – in a year that's been a really bad year and he's probably on the hot seat and things aren't going well, it just kind of makes him look, look bad. You know, it's like, is it worth, is it worth, is this little uh, charade you're going with, is it worth the negative feedback that you're receiving as a result? I would argue no. Like we've seen this all the time from coaches where they try and posture like someone's going to be available to change game plans. What does an opposition think when they see this? Are they actually having the wool pulled over their eyes? Or are they just looking right through all of this, just like everybody else? So coaches, right, never, ever, ever, like they don't ever want to feel like their guys aren't prepared for everything. So they leave no stone unturned. So that's why a lot of times you won't hear a coach say who the starting quarterback is until Wednesday because they want the opposing coaching staff to have to prepare for both guys as they're putting the game plan together Monday and Tuesday. So sometimes they'll tell you Wednesday. I mean, sometimes they'll tell you Monday, but not often. A lot of times they'll tell you Wednesday. Other times they'll be like, "Eh, I don't know. And they'll wait till Friday when the injury report comes out. Cause then it's like, by that point, most of the practice and prep time had already gone in to it. And so what happens is they just, they force the team to be prepared for both. And so in their mind, that's just a small margin of, of practice time that the other team spent on the other guy. And so that's a win for them, right? Like time is precious. You only get so much preparation for a game. And if the coaches spend some time working on a plan for a guy that's not going to play, and if the players practice a little bit for a guy that's not going to play, then that's a win, and that's a small edge in their favor. And you're trying to stack as many small edges in your favor as possible. Ross, I was uh, I had an appointment the other day, and uh, they had an old-school newspaper in there, so I cracked it open and started having a little read, and I was thinking, man, wouldn't it be cool if I could be in the newspaper? Wouldn't it be sweet if you could be in the newspaper? You can be. What? What do you mean? It's called MyFrontPageStory.com. It's the greatest gift of all time. Look, we're we're mid-November now, people. It's time now to engage and get the holiday gift that you need for your loved ones. Get them the front page treatment they deserve. Imagine saying to your wife, hey, babe, I want to do something special for you. So I had a story written about you. It sounds like you're the coolest, most unique gift, most romantic husband ever. And then when she actually reads the quotes, like, I just never thank her enough for all the little things she does for me and the kids. She will cry, dude. I guarantee happy tears. MyFrontPageStory.com. MyFrontPageStory.com. Happy tears guarantee. Love it. Uh, Ross Tucker, um, always terrific stuff, Ross. Um, 
We'll talk to you next week, pal. Enjoy the games this weekend. Sounds great. You guys as well. See you. All right. There's Ross Tucker, NFL analyst for CBS Sports, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Westwood won on the Tom's House of Pizza guest line. Well, pizza made to perfection with locations in Calgary and Okotoks. It's a well-used 20 minutes. Yeah. Again, it was fun. Yep. And I bet you Ross enjoyed that a lot more than talking about, yeah, what about that 49ers quarterback situation? He was enthralled by that conversation. Mm-hmm. I think he was most impressed by the 12 pints of beer in 71 seconds. It's a lot. It's, it's, it's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. It's, it's a dumb. lot of beer. I yeah. would be a mess. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to speak <laughs> um, after doing something like that. Which the which, temperature of it would just the, the coldness of beer right, yeah. when it's right from the which from I'm, the draft like it's like mm. which I'm sure would please some of our listeners but that's fine. Um, you know I like a good conspiracy sometimes because you know I'm not a big conspiracy theory guy, mm-hmm. but mm. I do believe that not everything is a conspiracy, but to believe that there isn't conspiracy theories is crazy to me. Okay, okay, I'm just throwing it out there. I know, yeah. Uh, GVP conspiracy music, please immediately. Okay. Uh, we already know who's going to play in the Super Bowl. Oh, oh God, not this! No, I know. I said what you're getting at. I know what you're getting at. I saw this yesterday, and I'm yeah. like, Yeah. We know who's already playing in the Super Bowl. But I'm also like, I saw the colors, and I'm like, that could also be two other teams. No, oh, no, it's not. I saw it, and I went, That's oh, probably going to be the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> um. On Twitter yesterday, a team on the left at NFL Memes um, tweeted out the last three, the last two Super Bowl matchups in the logo of the Super Bowl, the colors of the teams were already in there. Yep. When the Bengals lost to the Rams, it's a orange yellow Super Bowl logo. Oh, because LA Sunset. That well, looks like the Bengals and the Rams colors it's to me. It's also an Patrick. LA Sunset. <laughs> last year's Super Bowl, Eagles and Chiefs. Yep. You got some eagle green and some Chiefs red already in the logo. Patrick, your thoughts? Buttes are already red in that type of color. That's the sky of a nice Arizona Southwest. The teal with the nice, that's a Southwestern United States color scheme right there. And uh, this year in Las Vegas, we already know who's going to be in the Super Bowl. It's already done. Done. Done deal according to the logo. The NFL has already written the script. It's a good script. Niners and Ravens in a rematch. The, this, from the Superdome where Beyonce broke the it's not power. the Harbaugh. Harbaugh. No. Harbaugh. Harbaugh, too. Harbaugh, too, but it's not no gym. No, yeah, no gym. Um, Niners and Ravens are going to be in the Super Bowl. You're welcome, everybody. I mean, Put your game. bets down yeah, now. Hell of a game. Be a good game. Be a lot of running the football. A lot of defensive battle. Lamar Jackson, can he win the Super Bowl? Can the Niners finally, with the star-studded roster, get over the hump? And Kyle Shanahan can exercise the demons of Ravens 28 have, to three. Ravens have only lost to one NFC team since Lamar Jackson became Isn't that incredible? a quarterback. Yeah. Insane. What? You didn't know that? Yeah. yeah, Lamar Jackson's only lost to one NFC they're team like, in his entire career. They're like 18 and one or 19 and one against NFC teams. Yeah. That'd be great. You just gotta get to the Super Bowl. <laughs> You'd really love your odds. Right? Yeah. He crushes them like a grape. So there huh. you go. Super Bowl already set in Las Vegas. Man, I hate that. Josh Dobbs could lead the Vikings and the Chiefs. Could be Vikings. No, that's Ravens purple for sure. Stop it. Is that Eagles green? That's teal. Would you stop writing on my conspiracy theory? (laughs) I don't like it because the Bengals are going to be in the Super Bowl. Definitely not the Ravens. (laughs) Um, Straight ahead. Might as well send the ball to Canton now. Yeah, straight straight ahead. Um, 
Has your perception of Brad Tree Living changed? 960-960 name and location. We'll get Maddie's thoughts. We'll get Patrick's thoughts. We'll do that next. And at the top of the hour, um, Sportsnet's Jason Bukula. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. At the top of the hour, we're gonna try to um we're gonna try to figure out what the hell's wrong with Jonathan Huberto. And why? Like why? Dr. Bukula will take a look at him. Yeah. Jason Bukula, uh, former um head scout of the Florida Panthers, Sportsnet uh draft analyst, Sportsnet hockey analyst as well, gonna join us at the top of the hour. He knows him very well. He must be banging his head against the wall going, yo, what? your deal <laughs> i can imagine boog saying what's your deal yeah yo. he's at home he's watching the flames bro, gets like, up, what's your walks deal, over bro? to a wall bangs his head against it a few times and goes yeah. bro what's your deal bro what's your deal what's up bro what's your deal bro um later on in the show uh we'll tell you what to do in case you're uh you're face to face with a crocodile oh okay we'll tell you how to what to do. I'm looking forward to that because yeah. you never it's very know. very pertinent information for the city of Calgary. Yeah, hey, if you're heading down to the Everglades this weekend, we got the tips for you. Yeah, on like one of those like floaty, like hydroplaning yeah, machines the, 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 with the giant fans. What are they called? I like Patrick? hovercraft. Yes! Hovercraft. Look at you. Good job. Thanks, guys. Um, Sports Select. Uh, I'm going to head out now. I'm all down from here. You should. It okay. is your Friday. Uh, Sports Select uh, brought to you, or Big Bets brought to you by Sports Select at the bottom of the hour. By the way, real quick, what we haven't talked about uh, because we had to go and we were busy. But Patrick's knowledge of U.S. state capitals <laughs> incredible was incredible. I gotta say, you're a machine. You're the Joey Chestnut of U.S. state capitals. I didn't know half those cities were real cities. Yeah, exactly. Well, think, like everyone's like, oh, the biggest city is the capital. No, half these capitals in the U.S. Yeah. are towns of like. 50,000 people. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. You're uh, you're the Joey Chestnut of doing Thanks. U.S. Capitals. Um, Flames have the night off. They start a three-game roadie in Toronto tomorrow night against the Maple Leafs. The Hall of Fame game, I believe. It's tomorrow night, right? Hall yes. of Fame game? Yeah. The induction ceremony is Monday, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. So the Hall of Fame game, Leafs and uh, Flames. And uh, a lot of storylines, obviously. Uh, the Leafs stink at home. Uh, they have the worst save percentage at home in the NHL, way below uh, eight, uh, way below 900. But uh, the biggest storyline here is um, the former general manager of the Calgary Flames is now the current general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I think a lot of people, because we all lived it, we all experienced it. Um, my interactions with him were great. Uh, Brad Trilling, super good guy, super approachable. First guest on our program of the new yeah, show. Yeah, super, super good guy. Um but this is a results-based business, and fans base on what where the organization is and where things are headed based on the work of the general manager. And obviously, it takes you know three to five years to really gauge what a general manager has done to a team. So he has a ton of work left to do in Toronto, has that whole thing with William Nylander. What am I going to do with him? But some of the moves he's made in Toronto so far, bringing in John Klimberg, Wolf, um, Signing Max Domi, which made a ton of sense, but he's been super underwhelming. Tyler Batuzzi's been super underwhelming. I don't think right they're now. using Domi right, frankly, but that's probably they got to play him at center on the third line. That's what they got to make. It, he's got to be a scorer. He's the opposite of Nazem Kadri. I don't want him being a rat. He's a way better when he's trying to score and do offensively minded things. Yeah, he's well, not his dad. 
You're just getting the vibes when he played for the Hawks last season and was burning the flames. Look at how he's played since they moved him to center with a couple of skilled players. That yeah. pass he made to Nicholas Robertson yesterday was ridiculous. Yeah, it was. That's what you need from him. Yeah. Um, but his uh, he's already feeling the heat in Toronto. Like People are not happy with the Ryan Reeves deal. Well, the Ryan Reeves deal is a nightmare. The, the amount of term he gave Ryan Reeves to is very shocking. Um, but wanted to ask you at 960-960, name and location. With the struggles of Jonathan Huberto and watching Matthew Kachuk lead the Panthers to a Stanley Cup final appearance last season, has your perception of Brad True Living changed of his time here in Calgary? 960-960, name and location. Texty McTexterson is our Sportsnet 960 to fan texting robot. He'll join us shortly with some of your text messages. But Matthew Rose, has your perception of Tree changed? Not really, to be honest, because there's a few things that, like, I really see four things that a general manager kind of gets graded on as they go about their business. One would be your trades, and I th- I personally still think that given what was optionable for Brad Trilliven at the time with the Matthew Kachuk trade, you know, granted, I will hear arguments about how you could have alleviated that situation by trying to sign him long-term before that bridge deal, Fine, I'll listen to that. But it got to the point where he wanted out, you had to trade him, and I think he did pretty good on that. I also thought he did very good on the Lindholm trade to get Hannafin in for Dougie Hamilton when that wasn't going to work. So overall, my thoughts on his trades have not switched. Because the other thing, too, is when you look at what they've done for the Maple Leafs, he's made one deal, essentially. It was Sam Lafferty for a fifth-round pick. So my thoughts on how he trades players has not changed. It's still something that... I would be very leery to do is trade with Brad for living. And I always do wonder what it would have been like if he had been the general manager of like the golden Knights versus the flames, where that's just a, a, a destination that more players would want to go to. And you have a better chance of getting a Mark stone or an Alex Petrangelo or something like that. So as far as trades go, it hasn't changed very much, but then you get down to the next thing. That's your signings and free agent signings here for Brad living. were not that, that was the, the kryptonite, if you will, to the way that he would do trades. There was the James Neal signing, Oof. which was not good. I believe Troy Brower was him as okay, well. But, but real quick, just just on James Neal, from somebody who wasn't here at the time, mm-hmm. was that warmly received here? Were people excited no. about that? Because he was still the real no. deal at the time. 190 no. goals you signed. Like you signed him after he scored 190 goals he was previous. He had, already, he had just come off two playoff runs with the Predators and with the Golden Knights, where he had been good... But he was not the driver on the line. That was a summer that they missed out on some other guys, too. There were other players available via trade and free agency they didn't get. And Neil was like the guy that was further down the list. And they really needed a scorer to come in and help. So that was like, it felt like the third or fourth option on the day of to me. And they ended up getting it. But you also overpaid. And you also could have just said, maybe we don't do this. Maybe we swung out on the first two and we don't go down the James Neal road. Because he also didn't get along well with people in the room. He was not happy here, and that's that's fine. Whatever, it is what it is. So signings have not been great for Brad Trilliven, and that has not changed in Toronto either. The next thing would be the drafts. You know, How do you evaluate a Maple Leafs draft when he got there and he wasn't even able to be part of it? I don't know how you evaluate that. And frankly, the it, Flames drafting way has, too been, early. has been very mid for the last little bit. It's not something that... I also don't think it's something that he's heavily involved in, unlike contract negotiations and talking to other general managers about trades. I think he lets his scouting department do a lot of his drafting. So that is what it is as well. And then the last thing would be your ability to retain players. 
And this is the one that's kind of a little bit up and down. Obviously, he got the Austin Matthews deal done that everyone thought was going to get done. I don't know if that was going to be different if Brad Treliving's there or if Kyle Dubas is there. I don't know if there's much of a difference between what happens with Austin Matthews this past offseason. We'll see what happens with William Nylander. Obviously, Johnny Gaudreau, the big fish that got away. But overall, what my point is here is that a lot of the things that we saw here in Calgary, good trades, not good signings, drafts fine, ability retained is kind of hit or miss. All of that is carried over in Toronto. Every single thing has carried over in a very similar sense. They're involved in lots of players. You hear them rumored to be in deals, especially if it's anybody with a defenseman. That's very Brad for living. Pat Kane this morning rumored. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. The Toronto? Right. Yeah. Well, he's been training there. Yeah. So, and all in the end, my answer would be my perception of him has not necessarily changed. I know what you say. He, he wasn't a winner. True. They didn't win a lot of playoff rounds. They never got past the second round But under his watch. There were also, like, the thing for me was that when there were, at the end of a season, when you looked at the list of things to do and you said, we need to address this, 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 and this, he usually went out and did it. Like, when they were like, we can't keep going with Kerry Ramos and Jonas Hillers and et cetera, et cetera. He went and got Jacob Markstrom. He went and got Chris Tannen. He solidified that part of the team. He helped build this goaltending department, part of the Flames organization led by Jordan Sigalette, that has fans actually feeling pretty good about how the goaltending is for this team. When you go Markstrom, Vladar, Wolf, and whoever else might be in the organization. So, long way of saying, it hasn't changed much. Was it maybe overblown how good of a GM he was here because the results kind of speak for themselves? Perhaps. But he's where he is. He gets the work done. He tries to get involved with things. He doesn't sit on his hands. He's Brad Living. Patrick, what's your has your perception changed of Brad Living? No, I don't think so. I think he's just he's generally who who he is. Like this is most NHL general managers. Like they've got some wins, they've got some losses, they've got, you know, not everybody can win the Stanley Cup at the end of the year. Not everybody's that lucky. And when you look across Canada at the seven general managers that He's like only one of them outlasted him, I believe. That was Kevin Cheveldayoff, who's still in charge in Winnipeg. And you could talk about them, how them leading on with him and whatever, but that's that's them. But I think it's it's just he's got some wins, like the the Dougie Hamilton trade back in uh, the, before the 2015 season. That was that was a big trade. Boston did nothing with those picks, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, it looked good. Like, they were, he was rounding. That was one of the best blue lines in the NHL at the time with Geo and Hamilton. You got Chris Russell in there as well. Like, he did some really good things. He had a young Rasmus Anderson. Young Chris Tanev was getting into the fold a little that bit. After 2016 that 2016 draft, he had Anderson and Shillington. Boom. Like, that, that like, that, it, it, he did some really good things. It was just, yeah, the results weren't there. And yes, this is a result based business. I look at the Hamannick trade. The unprotected first for there for a guy that you know never was a defensive defenseman, never peaked more than thirty three points in a year, and just was really kind of just never gotten to where he wanted to be when, since he left the island. Really, he's wanting. Oh, I want to go to Western Canada. Oh, I don't want to be here. It's all like that and whatnot. So, in a lot of these moves, the James Neal thing, I was like, hey, Flames needed some goal scoring. That's one hundred ninety goals. Signed a five year deal. Look, man, it's not the worst, but yeah, he only had seven goals with the Calgary Flames. And he was gone within a year. So I I think this is just what Toronto's got. This is like they got another run of the mill GM, nothing special, 
but somebody who's not going to completely bury your franchise, you'd hope. Mm. But who says he, you're like a lot of people think that in Calgary, you're like, well, he buried the flames here with Jonathan Huberto and Nazem Kadri for the next eight years. So I think it, it's the perception hasn't changed. He's a, he's a average NHL general manager. And that's what he is. Let me ask you this question before we get to the text line here too. If he was still the general manager of the Calgary Flames, do you have enough faith that he can ultimately bring a championship here? Or did we see enough after nine years that probably not going to happen with him as the general manager? Because ultimately it's results-based business. And you can talk about all the good he's done, but he also left that that albatross of a contract with Jonathan Huberto, which is essentially untradeable right now in the NHL. But if Brad Tree Living was still the general manager of the Calgary Flames, would you have enough faith in him after the Huberto deal, if he would have stayed, that he can bring a Stanley Cup here to Calgary? I, I don't know about that. That's. It. Do I have faith that he would try and he would do everything he can to try and move it closer? Yeah, I, I definitely believe that he would put his best foot forward, but the general manager can also only do so much. I do think that he would have made the necessary moves, and I think he would take the risks. But, I don't know, without Huberto being the player that he should be, I don't know how this team wins a championship. So, it's hard to say, but at the other same time, at the other side of the coin, like, thought the Huberto deal was one that was going to be palatable, at least, when it was signed. I think a lot of people thought that deal was pretty solid when it was signed. So that's where I get into the spot where it's just kind of hard to, it's, you can't compare the future like that. It feels kind of difficult. Um, Texting McTexerson is down. He's hurt. Oh, the website's not working. He's IR. Sick. He's yeah. down. Uh, we'll just read some of these. Uh, Doug and Seton. Hmm. Uh, True living left Calgary with an anchor that will sink the flames for years. We'll love to know if management knew he was leaving when he signed Huberto. And he put Huberto, Huber slash Doe. Like, Doe. Because mm, the money. Which, which yeah. is pretty. Which is I wonder pretty. how, like, you think he's got more freedom in Toronto with the ownership, with MLSC to do more than he wants than well, what he I had here? Well, I would say probably not. No? I would. Well, he'd have to answer to Brendan Shanahan. Who did he answer to here? Murray. Oh, so like I said, he has to answer to Shanahan in Toronto, <laughs> ultimately. <laughs> Who did he answer to here? Crickets, GVP? Yeah. I don't, I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> yeah. That's what I mean. Like, like, the, like he's making, he's he, asking, he's going to go to Murray and go. He had Brian Burke as a president for yeah, a good at, chunk. At the time, yeah. But, uh, like, that's what I mean. Like, like there's the, with, with Toronto, there's that staple. It's Shanahan. He's the face. And then you obviously know the corporate structure with MLSC. It's like, yeah, it's like, who is really pulling the the, the strings here? 960, 960, name and location. Um, has your perception tr- uh, changed of uh, Brad Tree Living? 960, 960, name and location. Um, there's some bitterness on the text line how Mark Giordano left the team. Um, Probably not the best way you want to be sending a guy away. But okay. it was the expansion but, draft. There wasn't any once, other options. Once again, like... What were the other choices? There was no at other options. Yeah. <laughs> the other choice was to trade in the year prior, and they were actually decent the year prior. So I think it was two years' room from Renoris at yeah, that point. Exactly. <laughs> so 
Like, I agree. It wasn't how you wanted something like that to end. You don't want that chapter to end with a guy going to expansion. But the Kraken were going to charge him like a first-round pick to keep him. Like, yeah. come on now. I think that they did the right thing in letting Geo go. Um, the timing sucked for a guy who had been a great trooper for the Flames, but I don't know if you can hang that on the GM so much. Uh, Greg and Varsity with an interesting text, 960, 960. Uh, Tree Living, uh, biggest impact was modernizing and expanding the front office and management team here. That's totally fair. The new goaltending department, um, the analytics department that has grown. Um, yeah, I, everything that he's done, I thought, mo- started moving the needle forward. So, yeah, I kept the scouting system the same for the most part, I believe. But apart from that, yeah, moved things forward, kept it modern like that. Ted in Calgary, hindsight's uh, twenty twenty or 50-50. Uh, this is not a person <laughs> listening to the show that wouldn't have made that trade with Florida and Brad we trust. We knew that Huberto, uh, we wouldn't uh, Who knew that Huberto would be a bust? At the time, and I've said you know, it on this show. 50-50. I've said it on this show many times. Um, I think emotion got in the way of what they did with Florida. That's fair. What do you What do you mean? Like what I was feeling from the other side of the country. Like you guys were. It was it was it was tough to watch Johnny leave for nothing when you thought potentially he was going to stay, and then you hear the Matthew Kachuk news. So it's like you're like getting defensive about the city. You got to want to play here, whatever. And maybe emotion got into the way of making that deal for Matthew Kachuk when there was the deal with the Jackets allegedly on the table too. You had a chance to go rebuild, but you didn't. You wanted to fill the holes. With the Hurricanes, you mean. Sorry, the Hurricanes. The Marty Natchez deal, which we don't know what the other parts in it were apart from Marty Natchez. Beside the point. What I'm saying is you had a chance to do a rebuild here and you didn't because you wanted to be a playoff team right away. And is that a directive from ownership? Maybe. It absolutely could have been. But I'm saying maybe that trade for Huberto, emotion got in the way, and you can't let that happen if you're a general manager. That's kind of what I'm saying. Because obviously, if you could you know, flip back time, there's no way you're making that trade again with the contract you just signed Jonathan Huberto. Well, I think you're making that trade. I just don't think you're signing 10 to the extension. I know, yeah, exactly. I think, I think you, you make that trade all day. You let, you and you pl- trade him at the deadline? And you get that? Mackenzie Weger, yeah. and you get a first-round pick, and you get Cole Schwinn. It's not like it was a one-for-one. One. You yeah. get four yeah. legit the, the, pieces The only back. thing panic maybe moved was the, was the, extension. the extension. That was the only panic yeah, move, maybe. If, yeah, Which maybe, well, hence why I'm, it's a roundabout way me of saying maybe emotion was involved in that. That if we're going to trade for a guy like this, we got to lock him down. Because we can't let this happen again. I don't even think that's emotion. I think that's business. It's coming off the when best season ever by a left winger. When you've just lost two players like that, I just think that's business. That's saying, I'm not doing this again. I'm not doing this next year. I don't think that's necessarily emotion. Now, yeah, it was an emotional time for the team, of course. But I don't know. I, I just don't think that without knowing what the other parts of that Carolina Hurricanes trade, how much more closer to a rebuild would you have been? Yeah. Like, was there a first in there? Who knows? And if it was, well, it's going to be probably not anywhere to as high in the draft as what Florida's going to have because Carolina is just a better team and is going to be a better team for the next couple of years by the time that pick rolls around in 25 or 26 or I think it's 2025 that that first-round pick gets into play. I just think that I, I don't know if there was anything else available that would have been as nice. And also, was Kachuk going to go to Carolina? Did we know that he had okayed that? Like, this is another thing that you could have had a Jerome McGinley situation, right? Yeah, Where you're like, like, hey, we got a deal for the Penguins. 
And then Jerome's like, no, nah, let's not do that. Okay, I'm going no. to Boston instead. Yeah, and all the of a sudden you have to take the other deal. Like, so I, I, it, it's good to look back at that and say which one would have been better, and you could have done your rebuild quicker. But right, but I, ultimately the best GMs the scenario about, wasn't there. Ultimately, the best GMs it's about asset management, right? It, it always is. And when you have a superstar player like Johnny Walk for nothing, that sets back your organization years, and it just does. And I get the scenario behind it. There was no way they were trading him because this team was first place in the division and had visions of being a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. But it, it's I all, get all of that. In the whole Huberto thing, I think it was obviously like maybe Cal- but, Calgary valued Huberto more than Florida. No, but, I, but I'm just talking about how the Johnny Goudreau situation, oh, okay. when you lose a guy like that for nothing, that's a big stain on your organization. Mm-hmm. It's tough to do. Look at the Islanders. Have they really recovered since they had a couple playoff runs? But... John Tavares walking for free. People are still super sour about that on the island. Mm-hmm. When you have like a franchise type player walk for nothing, that ultimately falls on the shoulders of the general manager that either you sign the guy or you trade him. But I'm so... I, like, I know what you're saying. You were 10 minutes away from signing him and he had a yeah. change of heart. It was like that. Like, it would be another thing if it had come out that Johnny was never going to sign here and the wool had totally been pulled over the flame's eyes. But they had something special, and they were trying to retain him all the way to the last second. And yep. he went back and forth with them forever. So you can hang on to the general manager as much as you want, but I would but, put that way more so on the player than sure. the general manager. And I'm sure he thought that he was going to re-sign him all along. And I'm sure because the player Johnny ma- was making it sound like he was very interested in it, That's what and I then mean. he went to freaking Columbus. Yeah, in the middle of nowhere. You know how I feel about the Blue Jackets. So three hours to Pittsburgh. Yeah, uh, not he didn't go to New Jersey. He wanted to go to the Devils. He didn't go there. But ultimately, there was just two teams that wanted Johnny Goudreau. Calgary and Columbus were the only ones with the serious offers. Yep. Who else was there? No, New Jersey ran out of money. Philly New Jersey's didn't, like, Philly didn't, didn't want plan. to go to New Jersey because it was too close to the family. And Philly didn't plan. And exactly, Philly would have been too close too. And Philly didn't plan for him. So, yeah. Literally, two teams just wanted that guy to a big contract. Yeah, and also like Calgary. also relevant that like we're coming out of a pandemic and everybody was tightening their purse strings, so there was no market. Like, mm-hmm. come on, no. It's, listen, it's I, all and, and again, the text line's extent. blowing up, talking about his personal life and why he decided to leave. I get all of that. I'm just saying, you just never should have got to there. Like that should have been taken care of. And again, what, what's this bridge deal? I keep hearing about that potentially he could have signed. <laughs> Like what? a Johnny Goudreau when he was coming off a bad year before he exploded and was on part of the best line. Like they had a chance to sign him and they chose not to. Yeah, they did. Yeah. yeah. But he was also coming off a bad year. Okay. Like a real bad year. Yeah. I don't think he would have like wanted a... to sign it either. Probably. I think he wanted to prove himself more and he proved himself. Yeah. Good for him for cashing in. And now he's wallowing in Columbus. Uh, not seeing the same amount of minutes. And not putting up the same points. You got his uncle tweeting out that he would love a reunion <laughs> to Calgary. Yeah. I don't know how true Get that it. is. Well, no. Anytime a family member gets involved like true. that, it's 100%, like, all right. A hundred percent. You know where but, I put, you know where I put that story saying, up there? No, it's not the same as re- realtors, but it's What close. about a flight? What about a plane? Okay, plane. No. I think realtors and flight are like one step below okay. family members own account is tweeting not okay. like not like liking things either like when people are like oh he liked a tweet about it i'm like oh well sometimes i like some stuff that i probably shouldn't too but it's a little different let's ask jason bukula his thoughts on brad true living's tenure as the calgary flames gm let's do that next and we'll do our nfl big bets brought to you by sports select 
at 8.30. It's the Big Show, Russell and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.